0: Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your host Liam and Bill, as always. How are you, Bill?
1: Yeah, doing pretty well, but I do have something I want to talk about this week. Uh, very specifically, it's BT's roaming Brian on Friday night. You were there, obviously oh we were God. in the same room watching
0: this. Yeah, we did the podcast late on Friday and then we went and watched the footy. Pretty good game and then it got to the after show and what happened.
1: BT, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole roaming Brian thing is BT is just given the microphone and told to stall for time. Like he just runs yeah. around like a headless chook, stalling for time. But this was some of the worst TV I have ever seen.
0: It actually might be. like There's so many shows. We were talking earlier today about how there's fishing shows late at night, weird quiz shows, but this was literally the worst like, primetime television <laughs> I have ever seen in my whole life.
1: So he started, he started off all right. He was you know, chatting to the players and, and coaches and, yeah. and so on. Don't
0: mind that, the interview with the players.
1: And then devolved into, yeah, just basically accosting (laughs) random people and then eventually uh, ending with the man and his sandwich.
0: Yeah, so effectively talk to a player. And he's like, all right, I'll go talk to someone in the crowd after the players. So he, somebody in the background of the change rooms who, who was like a NBA assistant coach or something, like fine. And then he just turned around and got a random person from the crowd, which he talked to for a bit, which is slightly less fine, way more weird. And then he had no more people to talk to. So he walked into the next room, found a man and asked him what was inside his sandwich.
1: Yeah, um, great TV, um, very interesting and uh, added a lot to our enjoyment of football over the weekend.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what was worse: the BT went into this room and asked the man what was inside his sandwich, which is just terrible, or whether the man responded and said, "Is there some chicken ears, some lettuce, and like that's about all I'm in right now? It's, that's it."
1: Yeah, I mean, fair enough. He was probably not expected to be on TV and asked what was in his sandwich. Like that is not something you should be expecting to happen. Um, but yeah, it's a strange segment. So very strange. Cut
0: the segment, or you want to see more?
1: I kind of want to see him on, just because it was so bad. But, um, yeah, no, nah, I, I wouldn't mind if it got cut.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of people out there at the moment are asking, like, what's going on with this segment? And it even came to the end where they got to the next, like, the main interview like, guy that they were meaning to talk to and brought him into the segment, which it was clearly just waiting for him he to be just, ready. Yeah,
1: it's purely stalling for time, which is fine, I guess. But anyway, we'll move on.
0: We'll move on. So, big week of football this week. We're round 20 now.
1: We probably should check that before we start, but who knows, about round 20.
0: About round 20, and we've got a few players like really interesting in some really big stories for players who get their chance in the uh, weekend's action this week.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're dying to talk about Nathan Freeman.
0: Yeah, I I just can't hold off any longer, so fantastic story there. He was the 10th pick in 2013, so he's had to wait a long time for his debut, had a lot of issues with his hamstrings and recently had some shoulder issues and pretty much lots of injuries, so he's been 1,718 days since he was drafted, and in that time we've had 423 players debut before he got his chance and he finally gets gets a go to run out there for St Kilda.
1: So, which draft was this? Who were the the high picks in this draft that people would know?
0: 2013, he went for Collingwood there. So, that was, what, one draft before McCartan went one? So, who would have been number one in 2013? It all
1: revolves around who St. Kilda picked in each draft. Uh,
0: True. So, that's the same draft that Billings went in. So, I assume that's a Boyd number one, Kelly number two, and Billings number three, Bont Bont number four. four. Yeah, Bont number four still hurts. But that means from, from that draft class that we have running out this weekend, we've got Billings... We've got Freeman running out, so two top tens for us there, and I think that's the same draft that we had Daniel McKenzie. same draft
1: out. uh Lewis Taylor's already notched up over a hundred games
0: yeah, good player Taylor where do you think he fits in that draft class? obviously we've got the big names of Kelly and Bond, but Taylor's probably one that's sort of been a bit of a quiet achiever there do you think he's one of the better he won better the, picks? he won the rising star
1: yeah, so, obviously. You know, yeah um he got his accolades there, but yeah um he's a good player you know he's not on your sort of level as obviously Marcus spontielli um at this stage, but yeah, he's a great player and uh, adds a lot to the Brisbane side.
0: So, from that top 10 there, we have Tom Boyd and Josh Kelly, then Billings, Bont, KK from the Gold Coast, Sharonberg, who's recently done another ACL, which is very bad for Collingwood to lose both Freeman and obviously Sharonberg for a long time now out of that draft class. Aish, McDonald, Salem before Freeman got drafted. So, from the Saints, that's the same draft where we had. Dunstan and Akers, actually. So Freeman, Dunstan, Akers and Billings from that draft class will be running out uh, at the same time this weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely great to see uh, Freezer finally get his chance. Uh, Liam, I assume you'll be watching?
0: Yeah, I'll be down there on Saturday night. I really hope that it draws in the crowd for the Saints. We really need some of these big Saturday night and prime time spots to... To get big crowds down there, um, interesting stats coming out of Freeman's debut where if he didn't get the chance, obviously a lot of injuries, if he never got the chance to debut, he would have been the only draft pick since 2002 from that top 10 to to not make it to his debut. And so he was the last one there where we've seen every other top 10 draft pick get a chance, so it's good to see him get down there on Saturday night. It's interesting to note as well that this game against the Dogs obviously kobe stevens had a really big uh relationship with the dogs and then moved over to st kilda so i'll be interested to see if they do a big like farewell package for him when i get down there on saturday night
1: yeah you'd hope so um one more player who's playing this round who's uh, seen a lot of time off football is alex johnson who hasn't played since the 2012 grand final if you can believe that that's a 2136 day layoff
0: yeah it's fantastic to have these two players get that chance in the same round it's actually quite crazy that they both have had a five six year sort of layoff between when they last had the chance to to get a senior game so the interesting thing about Johnson is he's only 26 and I feel like he was quite accomplished by the chance that he played in that 2012 grand final a fantastic defender and since he's had that huge layoff is he's, he's still quite young if he can get his body right for the rest of his career
1: yeah, six years of footy, an absolutely massive amount of time to miss. Um, it's just as a comparison, so Heath Grundy, who's stepped aside uh, this week for mental health reasons over that time, played 140
0: games in that time period. Yeah, so Johnson was really highly rated having that lockdown role with Nick Smith, both of them down there in that back line. They were really working in tandem there and playing some great footy. So Johnson really could have notched up you know, close to 200 games by now if he was injury-free, but back on that heath grundy note for him to step away we've seen for solo do it recently in boyd and a lot of players buddy franklin step away for the health reasons um something that's coming out a lot more in footy and i think is it getting to the stage where players are a little feel a little safer to come out and say look i need i need some time away from the game we've had a few players do it before me and it's okay for me to step away for a little bit
1: yeah it's great to see obviously um you know football is a very high Stress environment, very competitive environment and uh yeah, no doubt that sort of stuff has been prevalent um, you know, basically since the league obviously went um fully professional and yeah, it's great to see that people are more willing to step away in those instances these days.
0: And we'll add another one to the uh new players list that we didn't really think we'd see this year. Brody Smith coming back for the Adelaide Crows, a really huge boost to a team that I guess is still in with a shot at finals.
1: Yeah, massive boost to the Crows. I think we, you know, maybe preemptively rode them off a couple of Weeks back there, maybe a month ago, but they've been playing some good footy, notching up the wins, and they're definitely still a chance. A player's uh, high quality, is Brodie Smith, only going to aid those chances of making the finals this season.
0: Yeah, they'll be. I know they've got a match coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks with uh, GWS, which might shape which one of those sort of slips into that final spot. And uh, really fantastic thing, keeping on the players getting their chances. Aidan Bonner, one of our favourites from his draft classes, getting his chance to debut this year, pick eleven from last year.
1: Yeah, I saw a stat, I can't remember the exact number, uh, didn't jot it down, but he's the broken the record for the most number of times being named emergency, I believe in one season, and now... Finally getting his debut. I think it was about 17 times or something. So pretty much every week he's been just on the cusp of that best 22. I'm um, unable to crack in and to see him finally get a game is great news.
0: He's been playing some great, uh, great football at the second level and has been biding his time before he got a chance to debut. Um, we followed him pretty closely. He was pretty high up in our personal rankings for the draft class. We were talking about whether maybe St Kilda with the two picks might take a chance from him. But um, what can the GWS fans expect when they get Aidan Bonner to take the field?
1: Yeah, Bonner's a relatively mature bodied player for his age, uh, pretty powerfully built. He's about 190 centimeters and got a really good burst of speed. So at the draft combat, he ran a 2.9, which for someone of his sort of build is, is very impressive, quick out of the blocks.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the X Factor he brings to this team. I think GWS really took a risk on him. And I know I saw a podcast on the AFL site this week where they talked to the GWS recruiting manager and they said they took a big risk with Bonner at the moment, which seems to pay off. And they think that in the upcoming draft class that they might try and take one of those safe sort of known commodity picks and uh, sort of balance out their draft system like that. So it was really interesting to see a really highly tattered list like GWS take a take a punt on a really exciting player there. And uh, I really hope he plays well this, this weekend.
1: Other huge news this week was Tom Lynch announcing that he's leaving the Gold Coast Suns to head down to Melbourne. Uh, Liam I think there's three clubs in the mix Uh, based off rumors that's Richmond, Hawthorne and Collingwood where do you see him heading?
0: Yeah it's really interesting to hear the three I think at the moment Tigers are the late up up front runner to go at the moment I think Collingwood's the one that we've heard the most about Hawthorne one that was about a month ago it was Hawthorne then over the last recent month it was, was the Pies and at the moment I think Tigers is the word so how do you see him fitting into those three forward lines and where do you think would be the best fit if he did decide to come to one of those teams?
1: I think, obviously, you know, Tom is a very high-quality player, but, yeah, these three teams specifically, I think he'd be a huge help to them. So, Richmond obviously running with the one key tall up there. Jack Rewalt most weeks and the smalls around him. He obviously slots in pretty seamlessly there. Um, the Hawks with their rebuilding side, obviously bringing in Jaeger O'Meara from the Gold Coast. And then, obviously, Tom Mitchell. Um, Got a few players around that similar age bracket to build off and really form the nucleus of their team moving forward. So I think he'd slot in brilliantly there as well. And then, obviously, the Pies are uh, lacking key forward targets. We've spoken about their key position stocks a few times on the uh, podcast. So, I think he'd be a huge addition to any of those sides and obviously if he goes to the uh, Richmond Tigers after they've won another flag I'm not going to be too happy but um, yeah it seems to be the way of free agency these days people moving to top clubs and yeah obviously something I feel like we probably should have been seen coming by the AFL
0: yeah I'll be really interested to see if he becomes how the public perceives him if he does go to Richmond after they win back to back because obviously in the NBA Kevin Durant one of the best players has gotten a lot of backlash recently from going to a team that's been previously successful to get future success everyone's sort of he's called the Snake now and everyone sort of bags him out a lot so in terms of a personal brand and how everyone receives the player if he does go to Richmond after their success it'll be really interesting moving forward
1: Yeah, I guess the parallel in our game would be Lance Franklin moving from Hawthorne to Sydney after winning the flag there
0: Yeah, so he won one with Hawthorne in 2008 and then Sydney won in 2012 and then he moved over and missed that triple premiership I think Is that how it went down?
1: I think so, off memory
0: So... That correlation with Lynch will be really interesting. And we've seen this week how his sort of peers and teammates re, uh, responded to his move. So, the recent sort of rumor that's come out is they had a leadership meeting with a few of the young players, which I think are really interesting to note. So, it took Miller, who I think might be in the leadership group, but also Fiorini is an interesting one. Weller and Bowes. We- inducted into that leadership conversation where they talked to Lynch and apparently that young group of players specifically really had some harsh words to say to Lynch. They were really bagging him out for leaving and saying that it was really bad look on on him and the club that he was leaving uh leaving them in this in this way and telling everyone early. And then apparently when Lynch left the room, uh, Swallow had a lot of words to say to that younger group, really saying that they weren't treating a previous teammate and a long term captain with enough respect and Really seems that there's a lot of cracks coming out of this club that's in a bit of turmoil at the moment internally.
1: Yeah, very interesting. I hadn't heard this, uh, this story. Um, pretty interesting that uh, the young boys are having a go at him there.
0: Yeah, I, I think the most interesting thing for me, all this stuff aside, is that Fiorini was one of these players invited to this leadership meeting. He's one of our favourites from the podcast, someone with a lot of potential, but hasn't played a lot of games yet. So he's obviously got a high standing in that Gold Coast hierarchy.
1: Yeah, we really rate in here on the podcast, as we've, as we've mentioned before, and um, he's obviously missed quite a few games to injury. Speaking of, we have a few this week. Uh, Harley Bunnell, who's been ruled out, I believe, for the rest of the season.
0: He's, yeah, reheard his calf and they said they're going in for scans but for someone with his history I'm not so sure we'll have him back this year so he was pretty much on the brink of selection there for Fremantle and um, uh, Ross Lyons backed him in going forward but really a horrid setback for somebody who was originally thought to be too injured to ever come back and then was so close to getting his chance and uh, just didn't make it
1: and in your backyard Liam uh, Shane Savage has been ruled out of the year disappointing news for my draft team which has suffered its fifth or sixth injury in the last two weeks so uh yeah, no pressure for me this year, I think. But, yeah, Shane Savage, the latest of the uh, injured players there.
0: Yeah, hamstring. He's had a really great year, I think. I think everyone's a bit harsh on him, but um, I think he's played fantastically. And he's been, as you said, a really big super coach player for your draft team, but a lot of regular teams. So I think we're both owners in the regular format and... Uh there's some trades to be made going forward. No, not a.
1: Yeah, no, shaking my head here. Um, I, Shane Savage was my, I think it was my last upgrade Um, yeah, to Jack Crisp, which hasn't worked too well, and That was a tip from you. But, uh-
0: yeah, Jack Crisp, since Murray came back into this team, and then some stat came out after Murray came back in saying Crisp averaged like 70 with Murray in the team and like 120 with him. Not in the team or something like that, so I think everyone's waiting for Murray to get the punt before Chris as well. Burn me good, but yeah, I'm an owner in regular, I'm sitting about 293, I think, at the moment. So my regular team's still going okay, but slid from that 200 early 200s that I was earlier in the year. But 293, so I'm still hoping I can finish strong for that top 100 finish. I think Tom McDonald is probably the one I've looked at to move Shane Savage to this week, cost another. 30 grand on top of that um, price tag Savage is at at the moment first in Gold Coast this week I expect him to kick a bag are there any other defenders that you rate from that conversation or do you think that uh, McDonald is the good pick there at the moment
1: yeah I think in the defenders there's a clear top four probably in most sides at this point in time so Laird, Lloyd, Yeo and Simpson I think Um, probably Sisley adding in there before he went down Uh, I think of the names next off the Rank, I think Tom McDonald, if you don't have him, is the best choice. Um, There's a few, I think, coming back from injury you could probably jump on if you don't have a lot of cash. Maybe James Webster or even Harris Andrews returning from injury. Um, Maybe Liam Ryan, sorry, Luke Ryan from Fremantle.
0: Yeah, all pretty good options there. I think at the point of the season we are at with only a few games left, you can take a punt on somebody if you back them in for that small period of time. I'm going for McDonald because I expect there to be an absolute domination by the Demons against Gold Coast this week, and I expect him to to kick a really big bag. I think we'll talk a little bit later about the model's margin for, for this match, which is obscenely large, but um, yeah, he's going to be my pick, so I think that's who I'm going to go with this week as my trade-out for Savage.
1: Just on the topic of Supercoach, I'm uh, desperately hanging out for AFLW Supercoach next year, and um, it might not happen. Apparently, Liam, the season's being shortened, even.
0: Yeah, there's been uh, words exchanged this week between Daisy Pierce and Gil McLaughlin after Gil's come out and he said that when we know the league's expanding to 10 teams next year, that he wants to shorten the season from normally seven matches with the grand final down to only the six matches next year. So apparently the teams will not even play all the teams you'll play about half of your opposition with a 10 team league and a, a six game season and Daisy pierce has come out and said this is just gimmicky it's it's not proper we're we're a professional organization and we need to play every team at least once to to have a proper season there and gills come out and said you know World Cup's only four weeks, and everyone's like, Gil, what's that got to do with anything? And (laughs) it's just been a a real back and forth between the two. Where do you stand on the length of the AFLW season? Do you want it longer? Do you want everyone to play each other once? We've got the expansion. Is that enough for expanding the game next year?
1: So, the World Cup, obviously, is, you know, like a tournament-style scenario, like 1v1 and then eliminations. I think
0: think prelims go for, like, the whole year before you even get to qualifying.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Um, So... I think if you're going to have a season, you know, if it's it's considered a season, you need to play everyone at least once. Like that just makes sense. Um, um, what is the reason for shortening it? Is it just they're trying to minimize the number of games to maximize attendance?
0: Yeah, I don't think they've come out and said why. I think they've just come out and said, you know, it changes to next year. We're going to have more teams and more games, so we might do a six-game season. It just sounds like the uh, input that they have to do and the uh, amount of money they've got to put into each of these games. They're, they're trying to push it into a bit shorter to sort of minimize that um, expanse that they're going to have to do next year because they do have the more teams coming in, so it will be equivalent amount of games for the fans to go see. But for people getting on to one particular team and just pretty much just to have a, a whole competition that makes sense, I, I think six games is not enough when you've got ten teams competing.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's a strange move for mine by the AFL. I think um, if you want to have something that you considered a proper season of footy, then at a minimum they need to play each other once, I think, for mine.
0: We've seen some other AFLW news, not sort of in the AFL sphere, but we've seen Moana Hope recently being cast onto Survivor Australia. Have you watched any of Survivor, Bill?
1: Uh, I used to watch Survivor back in the day. I haven't watched, I don't think, any Survivor Australia, maybe, every now and then. But uh, yeah, I used to love it when I was a kid. Um but I'm apparently also Brian Lake will be appearing
0: yeah, so I've been. I've just decided I'm going to get full into it. That brought out the new season, which is pretty much contenders versus champions. And two of the champions are Moana Hope and Brian Lake, who are previous AFL players. And Moana's had a, a, a pretty big uh, sort of role so far. Russell, who was a previous American uh, player who's played a few times in Survivors, came to play, and she made a big move to to vote this guy out. And she's putting a big player. So maybe if uh, everything doesn't go right with AFLW, she can become a professional. Survivor.
1: Yeah, perfect. a uh, power place apparently oh. by Mo. I haven't haven't seen it myself, but you know it sounds like she's doing well.
0: Got to tune in because, yeah, throwing our weight around. And also, Big Brian is so funny because he's, he's obviously past his AFL days and he's a bit chubby, but they're still putting up, him up against, like, you know, the classic, like, survivor, like, you know, fit buff guys in all the challenges. And it's just Brian walking up looking real worried. He's real fat, and he still manages to win all of these, <laughs> like, push the guy off, like, the thing. And he's just like, oh, God, comes up against this seven-foot muscly guy and just pushes him, like, off this thing. So, Big yeah, Brian, like. Good, man,
1: I am still a good athlete. Um Jim, muscles don't help unless you're uh, yeah, up against a great player like Brian Leg. So <laughs> Perfect. Um, we'll move on. I think one of the other things that... Uh, did it happen this week, Liam, in the past week? Uh, Richmond hitting 100,000
0: members? Yeah, so we talked on the podcast last week that they just trickled over before last weekend's action. But I think this week is, has been the time where the AFL as a whole has come over 1 million members across all teams combined.
1: So Tigers one tenth of the league. Yeah, apparently that's that's what we're
0: coming out as. We've got one tenth of the league as the Tigers, but as a whole to hit one million is, is quite fantastic. Obviously last year we had the nine hundred and seven thousand members coming in there, so we've had big increases. Are there any uh, release of these numbers like from the twenty eighteen season that you see from any clubs that really surprise you that they've got the amount of members that they were able to draw in? Obviously Richmond with the hundred thousand, but Coming next off the ranks, we've got Hawthorne with 80,000 and West Coast with 80,000. Probably not really known as the next two big clubs.
1: Yeah, I was uh, surprised to see Collingwood have actually lost members this year. So obviously they've had quite a good season. um, Pretty big club. So they're currently sitting on 75,507. I think there's plenty more pie supporters in the woodwork. They'll probably all come out after this season. We'll see them move up quite a bit. And then I did read an article on this uh, mentioning that the other Only other club that's seen a loss in members was the Doggies, almost a 10% reduction, which they'll be pretty worried about.
0: Yeah, really dropping down after that grand final, obviously they'd have a lot of fans that were jumping on board. But now they've come down to what is really a low amount of members, dogs here sitting at 43,000. So they're below Melbourne, they're below St Kilda on these rankings. So really not what they'd want to see after jumping up. You'd think that they were building as a club and now they're sort of sitting there in that rank around where North Melbourne is in the amount of members.
1: I'm sure the dogs won't be too happy about that. There are a few clubs who will be pretty happy with the amount of members they've got this season. Uh, West Coast are the biggest risers. They're up 23%. And I think the second highest rise was Essendon. I guess supporters jumping back on after the uh, drug scandal there.
0: Yeah, the uh, big preseason they had where everyone thought they were going to win the flag. And I definitely also saw in the media this week that James Heard came out and said that if Essendon makes finals, here's their tip for the flag. Is he still on the drugs?
1: Maybe, uh, or he knows that they're still on the drugs. Uh, we were watching <laughs> them play last Friday and accusing them, I think, of being back on the drugs because they look pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
0: running over Sydney really strongly there, and we're like, well, I watched them lose to Carlton not too long ago. What's going on here? So, no, definitely one of the informed teams in the comp at the moment, uh, Essendon, and they've got a really big match coming up this week, and it would be interesting to see uh, where they fall in that finals race coming towards the last few rounds.
1: Yeah, the models actually picked up on Essendon um at the moment. It's really high on them. They've they've shot up the rankings the last pretty much the last month. They've they've moved up quite high on those rankings. Um yeah it's really liking the way they're playing at the moment
0: definitely something we'll consider going into the future probably we'll get all our data from this season and work on the off season on making the best possible model coming into next year but maybe a recent form boost is something that we can add into this model where as we've got with Essendon at the moment probably the last four or five weeks they've performed way in excess of what they did at the start of the year so maybe something we can look at moving forward
1: yeah they moved up to sixth in the outright rankings which is pretty high um it's yeah right rating them to win most games from here on out so we'll have a look uh we've got some tips for this season actually how did it how did it do last week i don't think it did too brilliant
0: it did pretty well actually it okay. tipped the uh seven out of nine which is bad. pretty good that's yeah. pretty high for for um all tipsters out there but you bill came out with the eight out of nine tips how about that
1: yeah, I've been like sandbagging for most of the year. So like obviously like, you know, setting myself back to give me a target to hit, you know, I don't know how many tips I'm behind you now. I've probably let it, left it a bit too late, but you know, here's where I'm starting to kick into gear and yeah, I'm, I'm coming strong late. I coming think. strong late. Yeah. I think
0: I was down on the five out of nine tips. So you got a few back on me this week, this but um, yeah, I think the model's ticking along well. I think it got seven or eight last week and then seven, the most recent one. So ticking along well and we're really hoping that for the last few rounds I can get really close to the maximum amount there.
1: So we've got some model tips this week uh, and I believe we've also got some margins for you to see how we go on those.
0: Yeah, we've built in margins into the uh, rankings so effectively what we've got out of the model now is a is a value number of each team of how well they're meant to perform. And then judging on the factors like they're home and away, we've got a scaled score and we can make the maximum of that scaled score between what we think is the top team and the worst team in the model. And then equate that to say, we're doing it at the moment as a hundred percent loss. So a hundred points there. And then using the rest of the margins to figure out a, a a relative amount of what we think the score differential will be. So this will be the first time we're rolling it out. Hopefully it doesn't go too poorly. So maybe on that note, we'll run through the uh, games of this week and we'll give the models tip and margin uh, as well. So tonight on uh, the Friday night, we've got the Tigers taking on Geelong at the MCG, which I think is proving to be a, a quite interesting match amongst the tipsters.
1: Yeah, this should be a great one. Um... Definitely the potential here for a close match could go either way. Obviously, I think the Tigers are the favourite,
0: Liam. Yeah, coming in really strong favourites actually at the start of the week we saw Geelong coming in at three dollars ten, moving into two dollars eighty at the moment before the bounce. So really some money flowing in there for the Cats, I think, quite smartly, knowing that we've got some injuries there for the Tigers with Broad and a few other players uh, missing out this week. Prestia in the latest outs.
1: So the mile actually really rates the Cats. If this game was down at the Cattery, it'd be tipping the Cats, but Um, down here at the MCG it's got the Tigers up by 14
0: yeah I think that I really I'm not sure how this game's gonna go I think it'll be tight to the finish but at the G I can't tip against the Tigers at the moment and that's where I'll lay my tip this week
1: I haven't done tips I'm doing them off the top of my head here and um, I'm pretty tempted to go Geelong just because you guys haven't because I kind of want to cheer against you tonight so let's just go with Geelong yeah Geelong by uh, a couple of points
0: Next game, all of Saturday's games I think will be so interesting. I think this is the first time we've had four or five games in one day that I think could all go either way. And the first one of that is the really big match between Hawthorne and Essendon at the MCG.
1: Yeah, so I mentioned before the model's really high on the Dons and they've actually overtaken the Hawks this week, so it's going to tip them by one. Um, I kind of want to follow the model, but I kind of don't, so tough call here. Who have you tipped Tough call.
0: I don't think we've, like, even looking at the amount of points between the two teams before we started doing margins, I don't think we've ever seen one as close as this. One-point winner to the Dons, I think it's actually slightly below one point that's been scaled up. So if you're ever looking for a a coin toss game, the model says this is the one. Bet on the draw. Bet on the draw. Maybe we bet on the draw with this one. I'm going to side with Hawthorne just because I really think that... um, the best football out of both teams will come from Hawthorne, and that's where I'm going to side. Are you with the model or with me?
1: I'm going to jump with you, I think. I'm going to go with the Hawthorne Hawks. Um yeah, I don't know, I probably because I want them to win, I kind of, yeah, yeah, I don't want SNN to win it ever again, really, um, they're all, they're all drug <laughs> cheats and stuff, like I said, but I kind of just want to talk about the next game too, which is Brisbane versus, um, Kangaroos, the Lions are up by 21 in the model's tips, and I don't have as much faith in us as the model does. Yeah, I've been talking
0: <laughs> to you about this all week, obviously trying to figure out who to tip in a very close game, and you've said that North has normally had the wood over the Brisbane Lions. Yeah,
1: North, just so I tend to get down to Brisbane versus North games when I can, when they're in Melbourne, and, um... My brother goes for North Melbourne, and my dad's pretty partial on them too, despite being an old Fitzroy supporter. Um, yeah, I I feel like I've seen them crunch us by like eighty points, like a million times. Like they just demolish us every year. Um, is my recent memory at least? So I feel like yeah. I mean, apparently we're the favourites. I don't know. Um, maybe load up on North. I'm gonna tip North.
0: I think the most interesting thing about this game is the. Ins and out for North Melbourne. So we have Jared Waite coming in. And a few years ago, they pretty much won every time he played and lost every time he missed. But we've got out Sean Higgins, who's been their best player for the whole year. So I think, I think with that out of Higgins, I'm actually going to side with the Lions. I'm going to go with the model here. I really just think that he's been so integral to this team. We didn't see Jacobs come back into this team. Those two out of that midfield, I can't side with North Melbourne. So I'm actually going for Brisbane and you are not, which might be the first time of all time.
1: Yeah, I think it probably is. Um, obviously, I love a Brisbane tip, but yeah, maybe I'm hedging my bets. I want us to win and, you know, I, I just want to maintain some happiness if we lose. But yeah, I, I have a feeling that, uh, that North will get up on this one. So we'll see.
0: Move on to the next game, which is the showdown between Adelaide and Port Adelaide. So really huge game here. Adelaide, as we said, the slimmest chance of finals, whereas Port, they're playing for top four.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested if we had form in this one for uh, for what the model would do, but the model loves Port. It's one of the few teams that it ranks above the Tigers at the moment. Um, it's loved them for quite a while. It obviously likes their game style, and um, I think I'd probably have to lean with them too. I think Port probably get the job done.
0: Yeah, so the model has Port by 31 points, which is actually surprised me with the line at Sportswear being three points to Port. So everyone expects this to be a really close, hard-fought game, which all showdowns are. But on form, the model really likes port. So looking at this, I've got a side with it. I think it's it's going to be a closer game than what the margin says here by the model. But Port Adelaide for me as well, that's three tips for port.
1: Next up, Lee, we've got the Saints, and um, probably one of the few games this season where they're starting favourites.
0: Yeah, I don't like that. I think it's going to be... Uh, it's a really touch-and-go game. Both clubs really want to win this. Both clubs play really well at Etihad Stadium compared to playing away, so it's a really interesting one. The model has us by 14, and um, I really think we can get it done as well. I'm going to tip us.
1: Yeah, I think it should be a, a big week for St Kilda. Obviously, we talked earlier about Nathan Freeman's debut, and I imagine the boys will be up and about for that. I think you've probably got uh, the wood over the dogs at this point in time. Uh, Moving on, the last game on Saturday is Sydney Swans hosting Collingwood Magpies at the SCG. Um, I'm hoping to see Sydney win this one. Um, I kind of want to tip them just because I want them to win, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'm going to tip Sydney. I think the model has as well.
0: Yeah, pretty hot on the Swans, the model. I've tipped them by 23 points. I think that's a pretty big margin for what I thought. Swans would probably come in this as the underdog. But looking at this, Sydney 23 points, that's pretty big by the model there.
1: Yeah, the Models lost a lot of faith in uh, Collingwood the last couple of weeks, despite that big win over North Melbourne. Um, the losses against West Coast at home and then uh, the loss last week to the Tigers has sort of, sort of cooled on the, the Pies at the moment and, uh, yeah, sort of meeting Sydney as it's peaking on Sydney. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I could easily see the Pies winning this one.
0: Yeah, really close, and it's interesting how both back lines are a bit decimated there with, obviously, Collingwood having those list of injuries. They've got Howe missing, they've got Scharenberg missing, Dunn missing from a backline line that was really decimated. But as we said earlier, Heath Grundy, such a huge loss for Sydney. But I think Sydney is the sort of team, without being challenged this week, they've got some really old heads coming back from injury, maybe before they should, and I really can't see them losing this game. I think Sydney's a proud club, and I think that they'll get up in this match.
1: The first few games on Sunday, I mean, I hardly think they're worth talking about. We've got GWS up against Carlton, we've got Melbourne up against Gold Coast. Um, easy tips, surely.
0: Yeah, I think we'll all be going for GWS and the Demons, if I'm not mistaken. But I think the big talking point is these margins that our model has put out. GWS by 40 points and the Demons by 94 points. That's nearing maximum status there. We said Gold Coast were in disarray. We know Melbourne at the G can put teams to the sword. Do you think that that is too big? Or do you think that maybe we'll see a huge margin at this game?
1: Yeah, the Demons have racked up some huge wins this year. And if they're going to do it against anyone, Gold Coast down in Melbourne, um, you know, late in the year, the young kids are pretty tired. They've obviously just had the news of Tom Lynch leaving. It seems like the perfect storm. Melbourne, yeah, could, could get ugly this one.
0: Yeah, I think both these games have the potential to blow out really large. We know that both the Demons and GWS want to make these finals and they're really getting a spot in top eight where they can both push for home finals as well or potentially top four if things go their way. So I think that both will be trying to win and win big to get that percentage boost. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see, say, I think Jeremy Cameron back this week for uh, GWS might kick a bag along with Tom McDonald for the Demons.
1: And the last game of the round, we've got the Western Derby, West Coast Eagles, Fremantle Dockers. um, Always a good clash. I think the Eagles might take this on. Could be pretty close.
0: Yeah, I have the Eagles as well and we will be joined by the model who's tipped them in a pretty close margin by six points here. I think sharing that home ground advantage probably changes this game a little bit, but I think most tipsters would expect the margin to be a little bigger than six. So for anyone who's wanting to put a bet on this game, the model saying there might be a close to affair, low scoring, and they think that it might be a little closer than other people.
1: Finish off this week with a bit of a talking point. Um, Jack Higgins' goalie one goal of the week, I believe, so it's now a nominee for goal of the year. Um, Should it be able to win? Is it a throw? Is it a legal kick?
0: One of the craziest plays I've seen in the football for a long time, I think it's not very often that we see these sort of things happen where everyone sort of steps back and be like, can you do that? It's a bit like Jackie Moon in uh, what's that movie, yeah, Semi-Pro, Semi-Pro, where Alioubs is like, foul, like double foul. It was just like that where they're just like, are you, are you allowed to do that? Where where, where did you take on the first view?
1: At first, I thought you could do it because it just counts as like you're allowed to like sort of throw it up and kick it. Like kids do it sort of in the playground, you know, with the, they don't have a ball drop, they have a ball throw, so you throw it up and kick it. And no one says you can't do that specifically, but he's thrown it around the post, which sort of implies that you could throw the ball over a player and then as long as you get your boot to it on the other side, it's fine. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, that's obviously not allowed. Like, you can't run up to someone, throw the ball over them, and then just, like, get your foot to it. And then they're not going to be like, that's a kick. But I feel like because he threw it up just a small amount, they allowed it. If he dropped it straight from there, that seems better. I don't know. It's a tough one.
0: It, it It's literally one of those examples of our game has gray areas. And gray areas allow for decisions that people want. And in front of the MCG crowd, if that umpire was going to call that not a goal, I think that he would have had to run for the change rooms. Like that guy in junior footy, did you hear about the kid who had to lock himself in the change rooms because everyone was yelling at him and he had to call the cops?
1: Um, no. <laughs> that happened
0: during the week where someone in a country footy game and umpire had to go lock himself in the change rooms away from for the police because... Fans are out of control in the AFL. I mean,
1: he just shouldn't have made the wrong call. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm by myself and, you know, you just don't make the wrong call. No one gets <laughs> angry. Now, um, so, I don't know, Liam. What do you think? It's a
0: goal? Uh, I think, uh, by the letter of the law, it's probably a throw because he let go of it with his hand in an upward motion, which we know you've got a ball drop onto your foot, whereas if you throw it up in the air, that's not allowed. But if you let they will go. let...
1: Like, if you're in the goal square... Like, you know, you've got a free kick at the top of the goal score, Like, yeah. if you threw the ball up in the air to kick it, they're not going to call that. I know. It, so, it's
0: it's a very hard one to call. And I know most people who have been arguing for it to be a goal said players who are lying on their back on the ground obviously throw, throw it, it in the it. air yeah. so that they can kick it. And then people are saying, well, that's the most direct route to their foot. He's thrown it up to get an advantage so he can kick it.
1: I think the, the issue for me is that he threw it around the post or like yeah. up, you know, yeah. so he went it's like because That sort of implies you can throw the ball over a player as long as you kick it.
0: What I said from this when I was talking to friends was imagine if he was directly in front of goal with a defender between him and the goal and they went to tackle him and so that they couldn't tackle him, he threw it over the person and then sort of did a slide tackle in soccer style, slid his boot under and kicked the goal. Is that okay if he he throws it to get the advantage to not be tackled and then kick it? It's, It's a very gray line, but I think what everyone can agree with here is that was sick. That was that was awesome. Awesome goal.
1: It was yeah. It was a great goal. Um, you know, very clever thinking by a young Jack. So shows a great footy mind there. But yeah, I'm just not really sure whether this is a kick. Like, if I was standing there in open play and I just threw the ball up really high, <laughs> yeah. and then you know, like they blow the whistle, and then I'm like, no, I was going to kick it when yeah. it came down. Like, yeah. you know, you can't do that. So it's it's an interesting one.
0: So is it one where you think? I think the main thing everyone's questioning is obviously at one goal of the week and the AFL department came out and said that it wasn't a throw, that he was just letting it go from a high region, which let him kick it, and they're okay with it. When it comes to the voting for the goal of the year, which is fan-based, do you think the fans will get behind him and vote it for a goal of the year? Because it it probably is the best goal we've seen all year. Or do you think fans will sort of say, I'm not sure if that's a throw, and therefore vote for something else?
1: I'm not sure it'll win. I don't think it'll get enough votes to win. I'm not really sure it's the best goal we've seen. We've seen a few pretty good goals, but... um yeah, I don't. I can't see it winning, to be honest.
0: So last week we saw obviously Jack Stephen out of midair. Which one do you think is better out of the recent really goals of the week that we have seen?
1: Stevens is a better guy. Stephen, um, yeah, the Stephen goal is better. I think you know, like he's just dobbed it out of midair. Um, I'd, I'd vote for that over the Higgins goal. And I think there's a few others. I'd vote for Higgins. You know, it's it's smart thinking and all that, but it's not the most amazing goal. It's it's cool, but yeah, I'm not going to vote for it. I'm not voting for it.
0: So we saw during the week that uh, Dan Rioli came out and said that he thought it was a great goal there by Higgins, but his was better, the one that won goal of the year last year. Where do you stand on that? Do you like the in-the-play brilliance of, say, that goal there by Rioli, or do you like the miracle nature of the one that uh, Higgins kicked? And do you like the banter there between the two there, saying that mine's better and now nah, mine is?
1: Yeah, I like the banter. I'm sure they're you know, just having a bit of fun through the media. I like the Rioli goal. I think um, you know it's just a better goal. Like... Yeah, the, the Higgin one, the Higgins one. I'm, I don't even really see why it's being talked about as goal It's a smart play and all that, but there are more impressive feats I think done on the footy field. Um, yeah, week to week. Um, great goal though. Great goal.
0: Yeah, great goal. So we've got a lot of great games coming up this round that we'll we'll go and watch the first one of tonight. Um, we've got the model tipping margins this week, which I'm very interested to see how close they get, and um, really interested to see a lot of the matchups coming up this week.
1: Yeah, hoping for a great weekend of footy. Um, Yeah, thanks to those injuries I mentioned earlier in draft. I'm up for elimination this week, so uh, we might have a depressed me on the podcast next week if I don't make the uh, continuation into the finals and get into the prelims. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing you all next week on the Science Footy Podcast.